Hello and welcome to everybody A, everybody not so gay, the perfectionists. <laughs> a um, somewhat tired and exploration of the perfectionists. With your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, Elsia123, a.k.a. Vina, a proud member of the Church of Huh. So we've made it. We have made it to the end of season one of The Perfectionists. Whoop, there it is. Uh, we've now seen the full run of the 10 episodes this show was contracted for. Yes. Remember, like, all those weeks ago, we so naively talked about, like, 10 episodes doesn't seem like that much. It has been a long 10 episodes. It has. It really has. Uh, and it, this is a strange episode to end on because it does not feel like a conclusion. This is not an episode that seems to wrap anything, uh, th- that seems to like wrap anything up with a bow. It actually seems to be a launching point for the season two arc of the mystery. Yes, it's a weirdly sort of confident season finale in that it very much presumes that there will be much more show after this point. Um, this is that is really revealing who the the um, the antagonist has been all along. Um, it's a bit perplexing why none of these reveals happened earlier in the season, perhaps even in the pilot. Uh, the the big reveal that we're referring to here is the fact that. Um, in this episode, we learn that basically the mastermind behind uh, this whole season has been this character or perhaps group of characters known as the professor who has put all of our perfectionists and our PLL characters and randomly Ray Hagedorn, who is nowhere to be found, or presumably Ray Hagedorn. We don't actually get confirmation on that, but it's pretty clear um, into some sort of experiment. This is the person, or at least they claim to be the person who killed Nolan, and they um, basically are just, like, the perfectionists are all lab rats in this person's um, grand experiment. Um, We're we're sort of framing Jeremy, uh, kind of-ish, in the last episode, and... um, is holding this information over them to get them to yes uh and i actually i've always liked the it's all an experiment solution um as a thing that could happen in the world of pll because there are so many times particularly in pll when they went to the dollhouse that everything did feel like an experiment so i like that part of what they're doing but there is absolutely not a single thing about the show or its writing or its character development over the course of this first season that makes me trust it at all to make this part of it be interesting. Oh, totally. It's, it's, um, I'm more, I'm, I'm, I'm vaguely intrigued. Like, I feel like there were elements of this episode that were probably some of the stronger, um, things that, that the show has done so far. Uh, I, I think that the concept of our main characters basically confronting their greatest fears is kind of an interesting one. Um, but none of the steps that we've taken to get to this point have been um, successful or graceful in any way. And so it's just sort of 
we get to this big conclusion and it's like, okay, all right, maybe, you know, um, the new characters, uh, Dylan, Ava and Caitlin, like the road to us being invested in them has not been smooth. And so it's hard to be like, oh, wow, I'm really excited to see a season of these characters confronting their biggest fears while overcoming this character of the professor. And, you know, I mentioned this to you off, off mic, but like our last episode ended with this cliffhanger of one character shooting another character. And neither of these characters are present in this big grand finale episode, which is like, well, what are we doing, show? Yeah, it felt like uh, it felt like the show was like, you know, uh, the last episode had a number of cliffhangers. Is Caitlin going to have to go to Georgetown? Is Ava going to be able to afford to stay in school? Is, uh, you know, is Dylan going to be expelled by the ethics committee? Uh, Is Jeremy, what's going to happen to him? He's just been shot. What's going to happen to Taylor? She just shot him. And all of those are just hand-waved away with dialogue in the first few minutes of the show. Jeremy is in the hospital. He's in serious condition, but he might be okay. Uh, He's not talking. Uh, Taylor has been whisked away to a spa rehab situation, allegedly. Um, Caitlin, uh, her mom comes around. She's going to be able to stay. Uh, Ava is also going to be able to stay due to like some other financial shenanigans that are going on. Uh, Dylan has been cleared by the ethics committee, which we find out, I think, from uh, Blandrew in a scene where they're in bed together, having no chemistry as usual. Mona, who was maybe going to have to leave uh, and who I did like the scenes between Mona and Allison, where Mona offers to take Allison back with her to Philadelphia. Um can I watch that show? Can I watch the show where they go back to Pennsylvania together? Um, just wondering if this is like a choose your own adventure type can, thing. Can we just watch a show that's just their plane ride? Because I bet that it would be more interesting than this whole season. Also, I just want to say you totally called it. About oh, Claire yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mona, Mona exploits the Claire having also slept with Mason uh, to get into a two wrongs make Mona not getting fired and so she gets to keep her job at BHU although why she would want to is kind of a puzzler yes I mean you you said this earlier um they mentioned this on the bros watch PLL2 uh podcast as well but it's like this doesn't this feels like a premiere episode where we're kind of resetting and disregarding a lot of the plot threads that have been big like major plot points in the last several episodes we're just kind of saying like eh, don't worry about it and now this is really the thing that we should be focused on which feels very much like a move out of um you know ladder agreed because allegedly the professor uh the professor who is operating uh with like a, a voice disguiser uh that can broadcast from all of their phones simultaneously Um, The professor says that they're the ones who killed Nolan, and the thing that they are holding over all of the characters is that they have audio and video footage of them trying to kill Jeremy and cover up the murder, which I feel like they, they thought that Jeremy killed Nolan. Taylor, it's true, should not have shot him, but I'm not really sure how much trouble any of the rest of them would get in for cooking up the self defense story. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's not like the strongest um, the strongest motive. I mean, I think like it could have been. I mean, this whole thing could have been streamlined by just having it be that 
somehow this character could make it look like they killed Nolan, like had had the audio of them talking about killing Nolan, um, cut out all of this Jeremy nonsense. I mean, to me, this is this is so reminiscent of um, like season seven of PLL when they threw in this mystery of like, oh, my God, we're all going to go to jail for killing Rollins. When it's like, why not just have it be that you all look guilty of murdering Charlotte? Why do we have to kill another person and have this weirdly focus on their death when you don't even, you wouldn't even probably get in trouble for that. Like that, that was a hit and run. This was like a really weird And also we've talked about the bond between Ava, Caitlin and Dylan not feeling so solid. What the heck is their bond with Taylor? Allison is the only character who even seems to like her. So the idea that like they would all go down because Taylor is such a integral part of the group, even though Taylor is actually not there with them for any of this episode. Um, yeah, that, that all just really, really, it doesn't track. It doesn't add up. Um, I, I like, I guess, the idea of the reset, but just based on, based on what they've done so far, they haven't shown me anything that makes me believe that this is actually going to be as interesting as it could be. Also, once you've given us Avataria, like, menacing herself from her own phone with her own face, like... All of this, you know, voice modulated, I'm calling myself from my old phone stuff, just seems Agreed, like- agreed. I would have loved it if they could have gotten Avataria to be the one who was calling. Like, if A was just using that um, as, as a general, <laughs> a general. Yeah. I invested a lot of money in this software. I'm not going to let it go to, go to waste. And it was just like, like clips cut together because obviously they're not going to get Lucy Hale to come in and shoot new stuff. So it was just like old clips cut together, like Frankenstein together of, of her. Yes, yes. I think that would have really been ideal. Um, but yeah, so I, I will say um, that this was an episode of mixed feelings for me because uh, I, I didn't really like this whole season of The Perfectionists. I definitely feel like uh, they lost track of what was working, which was mainly Mona and Allison together. Um, I have no investment in Mona and Mason whatsoever. Uh, I assume that the two characters who were missing from uh, the the experiment is basically like they were all invited to this crimson society in a in a basement, which I don't know. Like you people, you you've been going through all this, and then you're still going to show up for like an unknown secret society initiation in a basement of a building like i i think i think you guys should really pass on any type of secret society uh invitations from anonymous sources just as a general policy is my feeling well and they were all acting like it was completely unrelated to everything that they've been going through like it was like oh yeah we've been menaced by this person like we've kind of been almost killed we've kind of almost gone to jail we got this invitation with the secret society totally unrelated are you gonna go tonight like what are you gonna wear it's like <laughs> yeah. people that's that's Seriously? the thing one of the worst things that pll did in the final seasons was go out of its way to make the liars seem dumb which they weren't based on everything that yes. they had been through pre-time jump. And I feel like this, we're just starting off at a place where these characters are just dinglings. Like, <laughs> sure, why not go and be... But there, so there were like seven chairs and only five of them showed up. I feel like it's a definite, um, it's a definite, well, really, uh, that Mason and Taylor are probably the other two people who were supposed to be there. 
Oh, see, I thought it was it was Roy Hagedorn because he had been on that. So list it would be him and Taylor. Episode, that it was him and Taylor because it had been it was, it was that weird thing where it was all our main characters plus oh. old man Roy Hagedorn, which I don't know where I heard this theory that maybe he's. Um, oh, I think you heard Taylor's that from father. Me. Sure. <laughs> oh, I heard that from you. <laughs> good theory. I think that that's. No, I think well. that's a good theory. <laughs> I feel like there's been so many theories floating around about different things. I can't even like keep track of where they're coming from. Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know. So the, the whole, that part is interesting. The fact that it could be an experiment. Um, And I also will say that I loved Allison saying her greatest fear is that she's too broken to be fixed because I believe that about Allison's character, 110%. I've I've written her character that way in in a variety of different stories, and so I I believe that, and I just hate it. I hate it that the writers like understand that about her, but then do nothing with it. They never like there's there's so much that they could do. There's so much character work that they could go in depth on there, and uh, and they just take a pass every time. So I find that really frustrating. Yeah, I do too. And, and, you know, I, I feel like the way that they do quote unquote, like work with that part. Cause I also really loved that line. And I thought, wow, that's like, that's, that really is like, they get it. Like they get what makes Allie tick here, but I feel like the way that they express it is just this very literal, like, so Allie just wants to be really normal. And it's like the Allie that got, you know, the, the, the alley of like season six and season seven, where it's like, I'm just going to live this really, really normal life. Like that, da, 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 da. but it's, and there's a way to do that. That's kind of like interesting and says something about the character and like shows that it's not really who she is. Like, it's just like this, this new mask that she's trying on, but the show never like committed to it enough or, or explored it enough to really, um, to really go that deep. And so it just seemed like Allie got like bonked on the head and suddenly like, this was the new alley. Um, and, and I feel like she, she wavered this whole season between being like being that weird old alley who was just like bringing everybody, um, you know, being like the team mom basically and being the alley who says, you know, bring it on bitch. And I think that the real alley, like who alley is now probably lives somewhere in the middle. And I did feel like, especially earlier in this season, there were moments where they kind of touched on that and particularly in her scenes with Mona. But then like Mona got sidelined by this terrible Mason storyline and Allie got like the weird Antonio Banderas clone for an episode. And it's like, okay, and now here we are. And like Allie's weird dynamic with Taylor, like it almost seemed like because Taylor was kind of a a wild card, Allie had to be like, no pun intended, like the straight man in that relationship. And so that just kind of, like tampered alley down even yeah more. i definitely agree because pll spent a really long time uh going through is allison shady or is allison a white hat what is the story with allison and they always positioned it as it had to be one or the other she had to be like absolute good or completely evil and they kept like that was why they i feel like that was why they never did emerson until the very end was because Emily is solidly good and if you have her really invest in a relationship with Allison it anchors Allison to having to be a good character also having to be on the side of right and I don't think they ever wanted to do it because they always wanted to keep the door open for Allison to be a villain Uh, here 
it's like they they made a really weird choice. Like when Allison decided to help Taylor because Taylor was the wild card, Allison was basically reduced to like the den mother of attempted murders. Yeah, I mean, it was like Allison yeah. became the Emily almost in that in that relationship. Um, which again, like there that's there's an interesting element in there. You know, there's an interesting thing in like Allison maybe having empathy for Emily, but of course this show is never going to invoke Emily's name because it doesn't, you know, they don't, they can't have Shay Mitchell show up, but it's like, I feel like there's a, there's, there's character work that could be done around that, that could explore that, but that's just clearly not the story that this show is interested in telling. Um, what did you think of, uh, our favorite new character, Luke, being revealed to be the former bully slash um, current out gay character slash basically Paige McCullers of... Um, okay, of the I characters. forgot that his name was actually Luke. I thought we had just been calling that. I, we had been calling him that because it was a joke about Gilmore Girls. <laughs> so when his name actually turned out to be Luke on the show, I... I like died. I was like, did, did we make that happen? Like, did we create that from our minds? Um, so that that's one thought I have about it. Um, thought number two is that I felt like as soon as Dylan freaked out upon seeing him, it was pretty clear what the story was going to be like that. He was also yeah. uh, a gay character. And I will say that I, they, they've had like one and a half scenes together, I guess. But I think that uh, I hope that Blandrew gets replaced uh, and that Dylan takes up with Luke if the show gets renewed, because I feel like uh, he actually Luke, like not necessarily the actor who plays Dylan, because I feel like he's still like unsettling in his chemistry with the women. But I feel like the actor who plays Luke had better chemistry than Blandrew did. Uh, He had more charisma. And so I feel like a potential hookup between him and Dylan is going to be more interesting and i also feel like uh i i would not mind i think it would make dylan a lot more interesting if it is just part of his character that he's a cheater that he cheated on blandrew that he cheats on his exams and that he's going to cheat with luke now um i feel like having that be something uh that he is constantly tempted to do to take shortcuts uh in terms of you know, emotionally and academically and in various other ways, uh, I think that would actually give him uh, more depth the show has done so far. I totally agree. I mean, I think, like, the more this show can, like, get away from having him try to be some kind of, like, moral center or whatever, like, I I, I agree. And, and I think that there's something really interesting in there about him, like, constantly sabotaging his own life. Um, and I totally agree I, also about the chemistry. I do think that he and Luke have better chemistry. Um, I, you know, if it was kind of a thing where like um, Andrew was like the the Sean of Hannah for season one, you know, and then uh, Luke was like more the Caleb, that would be totally fine with me. Uh, but if it was some kind of like ongoing cheating storyline, to me, that's almost... Like, I would hope that it would be more about exploring who Dylan is as a character and why he keeps making these choices than, like, a love triangle thing, just because, like, love triangles are boring and have been done to death. Um, but, yeah, I de- it definitely seems pretty clear that Luke is being set up 
as the new love interest for season two. So let's talk about the fears that everyone reveals at the end of the episode. We talked a little bit about Allison's, uh, that she's too broken to be fixed. Uh, Dylan's, uh, I feel like that the two weakest are Dylan and Caitlin. Uh, Dylan's is he's afraid he'll have to go home, uh, which I feel like carries absolutely no weight because we don't, do we even know where he's from? He's like from a small town. That's like all we know, right? It is, but I have to say his, that one was the most intriguing to me just because I was like, okay, maybe there's a story that we don't know. Like, which also like not great writing, right? To set up something, but it's, it's like Ava's, I completely knew that hers was going to be that she was afraid of turning into her father. And so I was like, okay, this is potentially like what, what else was going on for Dylan at home? Like, what, is there something else that he's trying to escape from his past? Um, or, uh, you know, maybe this was just to tie it into. The- oh, well, your take on that makes it seem a lot more interesting than I felt like it was when he said that. I felt like I don't want to go home is sort of meaningless when I couldn't even say, like, I've watched all the episodes of the show. I couldn't even say what state you're from, <laughs> like, let alone, uh, you know, like, uh, whatever. But um, you, you make a pitch for it to be more interesting. So I'm also going to throw the other one that I thought was a really boring fear at you. And that was Caitlin's fear of failure. Yeah. I mean, it's another one that like, we knew that from the very first shot of her character, you know, running in the middle of the night and being disappointed that her time wasn't better on her like Apple watch. Like, of course that's your fear. Like all season we've been going on and on about um, how you're all perfectionists and, you know, you're learning to let things go and you're trying to learn to like have friendships and throw packing peanuts on each other. And it's like, yeah, that's Caitlin. To me, Caitlin has been probably the most disappointing new character because I felt like she started really strong and she seemed to have a little bit of edge to her. And I think that Sydney Park is the best actor, certainly of the three new perfectionists. Um, But she's just gotten really like sort of, I don't know, like kind of flat and one dimensional, I feel like in these past few episodes. And um, there's not, there's not really a sense that there's like multiple layers to her in a way that um, is, is disappointing. Uh, yeah, I actually feel like having her mom be on the show, which was something I said, like, I don't think we can have her thing be a family secret when we've never even met her parents. Um, but her, her dynamic with her mom wound up being pretty boring uh, so i think that that was that was a problem yeah. uh, in bringing her mom in i think they should have done that uh only if there was a way that they could make it more interesting whether it was a, a clash or whether it was uh you know her having to keep the secret from her other mom who i don't think we met uh so that really kind of took some of the um some of the interest out of her character and i would have to say i think that uh we got to see Caitlin's mom and that was kind of boring. Whereas the stuff between Ava and her dad, I found to be a little more compelling. Not a lot, Mm. but a little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I guess for me, like there was nothing very surprising to me about that. Like it, it, what, like, I don't know if I was just like reading the tea leaves or I've just like watched too much TV or what, but like it was pretty clear to me all season that like 
the plot line with Ava's dad was basically that she felt like he had been persecuted, but like he was actually kind of a bad guy and that she kind of had this like, you know, through rose colored glasses image of him that was not going to be the more like the truthful image of him. And so um, it was not surprising to me. Nothing about what happened with her father. Well, no. And I feel like it's really odd. Like, why can't Ava make any money on her own? Isn't she like, doesn't she have like 5 billion followers on social media? Like, like don't people make whole careers off that? I don't understand why uh, in order for her to survive uh, in this universe, she has to like take part of the money that her father stole and, uh, you know, keep it for her own use. Well, and like the point that you've made, uh, which is a really great point about PLL, like that thing of characters randomly having money or not having money as the plot dictates. I feel like this episode like that was all over this episode it's like oh suddenly caitlin's like poor and has nowhere to live oh suddenly like ava is poor but actually no she's rich because she just got the bank codes and like she's gonna like robin hood the money back to everybody um so but i'm curious like what was it about the ava plotline that you found well interesting? first i'm gonna talk about how pll and money work in in reference to um in reference to a scene from mad men which is where one where Betty and Don are talking towards uh, the end of their time together. And she says to him, I know how you are about money. You don't understand it. And it's such a great line because it's, it's so true. Uh, And I feel like that's what I want to say to the writers of PLL. Like, I know you, how you are with money. You don't understand it. Like they constantly just like throw it in uh, or take it out uh, with lines of dialogue to indicate whether a character is flush or whether they're broke. There's no, there's absolutely no in between. Um, so the thing that I felt interesting was interesting about Ava's plot line was the idea of, is she going to turn into her father? Because in the beginning of the series, it seems like she feels like her dad is a good guy who's gotten a bum rap, but his bum rap has like, really made people think badly of her and she doesn't want that she wants to be the good jalali um she wants to be like the the jalali who's untainted by this uh you know family shame and then in this episode like so that that's true but she was still using her father's ill-gotten gains the life savings is that he stole from everyone she was still bankrolling her education with it and then in this episode she winds up getting access to a bunch more money that he had squirreled away. Uh, and she returns, uh, do, she, do you think she returns half of the money that she gets access to in this episode? Or do you think she returns all the money that she gets in this episode, which amounted to half of what her father had stolen? What's your take on that? I honestly i don't know i felt like all of the like minutia of the money was it it all seemed like it happened kind of like quickly and i wasn't totally following it all um i think that the line uh, that booker had about zach is that zach's zach had gotten half of the money that was half of his family's money that was stolen from him returned yes yes okay So, so okay so that's presumably what's going on but i feel like the idea of i I guess i like the idea of these characters like making 
conscious decisions to become more morally compromised. Like the idea of Ava winding up using this money that her father stole for her own purposes to fund her time in New York with Zach, for example. Um, I think that that just feels more interesting to me uh, than, than the previous uh, dynamic that she had where she was like, my father's good, but everybody thinks he's bad. I'm good, but everybody thinks I'm bad. I like it that we're getting to a point where she is going to convince people that she's good, but maybe secretly she is not. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can definitely follow that. Um, I think that actually I thought that the best Booker scene of this whole season, which is not really saying much, was the final scene between Booker and Ava where it was like, it was almost like that scene that you have in so many stories where it's like the hero and the villain are kind of like shaking hands and walking in opposite directions and being like, okay, we'll like go on to live another day where it's like, um, basically I guess what Booker is saying is like, she's, she might hold on to the money and not turn Ava and her dad in. And also she knows that Ava has been distributing the money. Um, yeah. The thing that I really wanted, but I didn't get in this episode was I wanted Ava to drop the dime on her dad. I wanted Ava to take the rest of the money that her dad stole and turn him over to Booker, thus getting Booker off of her back and out of the the world of the show. Yeah, they kind of just left it in this place where it's like he just goes back on the run, I guess. Yeah, it's his nice life that he's having with his half of the money that he stole, which is kind of a a mixed moral there. Um, But... I, I hope that Booker is not in the next season. I don't think that she will be, but I do feel like it's very clear that Claire is going to be involved in this experiment because as soon as they put out there that Jeremy was Nolan's killer, Claire just like takes that at face value and like has Booker back off. Basically she's like, Oh, okay. I put my trust in the wrong people. Sorry, everyone done. Right. And and now, so do you think that Claire is being blackmailed by... Oh, I don't know if she's being blackmailed or if she's involved in the experiment. It could be either thing, I feel like. Sure. Well, and I, I felt like there were a lot of lines towards the end of the episode that were like, is this person suspicious? Is this person suspicious? Like, you know, Claire says at one point, like, I think, Mona, I'm keeping my eye on you. I think that Caitlin's mother, who still does not have a name. <laughs> Senator um, Park Lewis. Has a line. That, Senator is her first Senator name. Senator Park Lewis. <laughs> yes, much like what was Ava's thing about how somebody's first name was, or Caitlin's thing about somebody's <laughs> first name was Justice. In, and then there were none. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that I think that um, she also had a line that was something like, "Oh, we're going to be like keeping a close eye on you." Or yeah, something like that. So, I guess that I guess that that's what's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, Allison. So Allison's sort of one big moment in this last episode is that she decides to switch to the psychology department and. Um, then presumably this, uh, the, this professor of psychology is, uh, part of the experiment as well, because this person calls somebody and is like, Allison doesn't know this yet, but she's in. Um, and it doesn't seem like they're, they're just saying that she's in at the department. It seems like they're saying she's like in 
to the experiment, the next phase, well, phase two. I am at least glad that we had that scene of the psychology professor seeming like they're in on the experiment, and that's why they're accepting Allison as their TA. Because Allison, I'm just going to remind everybody, she's already finished her undergrad college degree. She was a, an English teacher at, at Rosewood High School. So Allison is out here to be in grad school where you're not switching your major you're actually like going into a totally different program which you would presumably have to apply to also allison is a ta so you would ideally want a ta who is familiar with your subject to the point that they can teach it to undergrads so i this is not how that works but at least if the professor that she is TAing for is in on the experiment, then that gives uh, that gives at least a minimal amount of cover to the fact that they're letting Alice do this. They have like no idea. Like by the time we watch this next season, if it's back, Allison could be in high school again. There's just no there's just no telling. <laughs> Allison's taking a pottery class. It could at be anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that um, it, it, it is really interesting that the episode nine kind of set this thing up where all of the characters could be out of college the next season. Like they kind of wrote these outs that then this episode they just completely undo because it's like, it kind of doesn't seem like the show really wants to engage with the college atmosphere that much. Um, it seems like they're kind of doing everything they can to really avoid it or like right around it in these weird ways. And so again, it's kind of like, why? Why, well, <laughs> why did yeah, you write For as difficult way? and prestigious as BHU is supposed to be, uh, the only class we've ever had anyone spend time in is Allison's. And that was only a little bit. And it was only during the first couple of episodes. We haven't even seen anyone doing homework since then. Oh, that's not we saw the right, we saw but, people working on finals or midterms or whatever during dead week but like we we really don't have a sense of it as this like intense academic environment in any real way and it's like every character seemingly has an internship that's going to take them away from the school where they might not even like need to be at the school you know it's like caitlin has her um, her an internship with uh, Senator Hastings, which every time they name check Senator Hastings, I'm like, don't talk about <laughs> it if you're not going to show it. Um, and then it's like, we've got, you know, um, Ava with her internship at Vogue, um, Dylan with his internship, internship slash maybe job at the Seattle Symphony, um, Andrew with his internship in Bainbridge Island <laughs> with the architect, um, let's see, somebody else has an internship too. Oh, Zach with his internship in New York. It's like, it, it's interesting that we're spending so much time with that. And, and these are all things that presumably would take the characters away from the school. And also that it's not like timeline wise, I know, like don't invoke the timeline and anything PLO related, but it's like, we're talking about it like we're about to, they're all about to, um, you know, go off to their summer and go off to these internships. But it's supposed to be like October or something. <laughs> what? Yeah, um, like you said, don't invoke the timeline. Don't look too hard at it. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. 
yeah, uh, it's 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 a it's messy. Um, so what are your well, what are your thoughts, oh, man? Um, I don't know if if it does come back for a season two. I I don't know if there's enough Allison and Mona for me to keep watching. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty open question. Um, I I will probably watch at least the first episode of the second season to see how the reset is going, uh, to see if it's going to hold my interest anymore. But man, it's uh, I I didn't have really high expectations. Uh, so uh, the first couple episodes, I felt like okay, you know, this is the Allison and Mona stuff is better than I had expected. I'm I'm kind of into it, and then it just really seemed like it unraveled uh, pretty pretty quickly. So I'm not super optimistic, um, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, what did you think about the various Caitlin Ava handholds that we got? Yeah, I feel like it says something about this that I'm not even like terribly excited well, about. And I feel like, uh, you know, a, a lot of people thought that Emerson was kind of queer baity in the later seasons, which I never felt like because I felt like they were eventually going to get those characters together. I do kind of think that this show might be being a little queer baity with its female characters just in general. I could see that. I could see that. I mean, I think that Mona and Allison, um, yeah, Mona is, oh gosh, everything going on with Mona in this latter half of this season has just been so disappointing. I did like her saying into the computer, um, you know, my biggest fear is dying before I find out who the hell you are. But I'm also now terrified. Oh, I agree. I Mona felt off. like, why did she say that? Does Mona have a hyperadrenalized brain tumor that we don't know about? Oh my God. I had a lot of worry about that. Yes. I mean, I'm always terrified that Mona is going to get killed off. I was very scared of that during, um, during the, the end of PLL. Um, but yeah, I, and like, I, if they do that in season two, if like the season two premiere is like, um, you know, like the way that six B, the six B premiere played out where it's like, Oh, Mona died. Now we're like trying to figure out who killed her. She fell off a bell tower. I have like, I have to imagine that like, Marlene has a brain tumor to like think that that's a good idea because like the idea that that you would look at this show and not see that Janelle Parrish and the character of Mona Vanderwall is like one of the few good things you have going for you I don't know what I don't know what's going on if if they can't see that but yeah I I um in terms of like what what I think I guess that um yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I, I'm curious about this reset. I'm not terribly confident that they are going to get a season two. Um, I'm not even sure that I necessarily think they I, should. I don't think that they should. Point. I think that they had, I think that they had 10 episodes to show us what this was about, what it could do. And I, I feel like they squandered it. So I, I am not really rooting for a renewal, I don't think. Um, but that said, who do you think uh was there anybody in the trailer did they get killed when the trailer blew up was it taylor was it jeremy was it mason was it ray hogador um i don't think anybody was in the trailer um uh, you know maybe it'll be like next season it's like, it was a pig in the trailer you know <laughs> the pig mask. Um, but yeah <laughs> it was booker 
Um, no, I think that probably it was, yeah, I don't think anybody was in the trailer. Um, there was that little bonus scene released online during like the Aladdin ad that was like, oh yeah, Taylor's just at this fancy spa. Like, don't worry about it. Um, which is the stupidest thing ever. Uh, but I don't think, I think that Taylor is alive. Um, I think that I could potentially see a season two maybe exploring a Taylor Alley relationship, although I really have no idea. Um, I'm assuming that Mona and Mason seem like they're going to continue to be, um, to be this relationship. Although I have to believe that they've seen some of the fan reaction online, which I, from my perspective has been pretty universally negative. Um, Jeremy, I think is probably a goner Booker. I imagine we probably won't see any more. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just kind of, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just see. I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to know like how much, like clearly a certain amount of a reset was planned based on this finale, but now given a lot of the kind of like lukewarm reaction from, from the audience, I'm curious, like if that would factor into any rewrites. Well, I feel like, uh, I feel like they put all of the chips on their renewal. They like bet all of that on the, oh, it's an experiment angle uh, and that everybody will want to find out about that. And so the show will like get to continue. But I feel like if you couldn't make us want to see more of your show in the first nine episodes of this mystery that you set up, I'm just not, I'm, I'm just not buying into your new, uh, your new shiny that you're trying to sell me right now. Yeah, I, I feel like like the metaphor that I'm thinking of is like you're invited to like a fancy dinner party and you get there and it's like, I don't know, six o'clock or something. And it's like maybe at like 630, somebody brings around like a tray of appetizers and then like an hour later, there's like another tray of appetizers. And it's like, it's OK, but it's not, you know, it's not very filling and, and you're getting pretty sick of it. It's the same appetizers coming around, coming around. They keep coming around and you're getting ready to leave. And at like 1130 the host like bursts out and is like, wait a minute, I have the main course. It's ready. It's time for us to eat. And it's like, but it's 1130. Like we filled up on these really like kind of like airy, not very filling appetizers. Like we're ready to go home. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a pretty apt description of, of where this is. And it's like when the, when the professor says like, I'm the one who killed Nolan, like none of the characters seem to care about who killed Nolan anymore nor do I. Do, do you get, care about it at this point? No. I mean, and, and it also is just like, oh, okay. You killed Nolan. I also think that they kind of wrote themselves into a corner by this person saying, um, I took, like, I didn't relish becoming a murderer or something like that, where it's like, okay, so presumably this is the first and only person that this character has killed, and it's like, well, that makes them a little bit less menacing, you know? And that also limits everything because it's like, okay, so if they find somebody who has, like, a history of killing people, presumably that's not this character. I don't know. It just seems kind of, like, a weird... It is, especially because in this episode, it seems like they're going to kill Jeremy. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. It's like, yeah, they are are the murderers. Um, Yeah, it just... just Yeah, nonsense, nonsense. Yeah. Um, oh man, like the Mona Allison spinoff 
what it could be. Maybe, I mean, maybe we could talk about like, if you were, if you were in the writer's room, if you were running season two, what choices? Ooh, what a great question. Okay. Um, I would get rid of Blandrew and I would have Dylan spend a lot more time with this Luke character who seems to at least have uh, a personality and some charisma. Uh, I would, I would have Allison and Mona be in a relationship together that runs into trouble because of Mona's obsession with solving the mystery, her greatest fear, and Allison's greatest fear of being too broken to be fixed. Um, so I would try to tie and have them play out against the backdrop of the two of them being romantically involved. Um, I would... I would just, I, I would have Caitlin's fear of failure be a lie. I would have there be something else that she's actually afraid of that we find out over the course of the season. Um, and I guess I would try to work in, like maybe Dylan has like a bad family situation uh, at home that, that we get to learn more about that, that Luke can like kind of let us shed some light on. Um maybe that would make it a little bit more interesting but i feel like uh every episode if they're going to do this experiment thing and if they're going to have it work every single episode should have uh at least the stakes of like will hannah give ella montgomery the ticket to the art gallery that's going to rat out another liar like every episode should have stakes like that where each of them are having to make decisions about whether or not they're going to do the other one's dirty and if it's not that then what are we doing show yeah yeah I, I i like all of that i think that um i think that we need to find out that they have like more to lose like i think that we need to find out that um you know maybe jeremy shows up dead and it really does look like they killed him like somehow the the manner of his death like matches up with um matches up with like how he was shot and like that whole setup or something um i think that we just or or like somehow it it seems like they really did kill nolan like i i or or taylor is missing and it seems like um like maybe they either killed her or are hiding her or something like that where they definitively look guilty of a crime and it's it's not this weird like back and forth like it's been with Booker all season where she's convinced that they killed Nolan but there's really no reason for her to think that um I think that you need you need something like that that keeps them on the hook maybe even like secrets that they've been keeping from each other like like what you were saying with Caitlin uh, maybe having a secret or Dylan something back home like maybe Dylan did something really bad back home and that was why he had to leave um yeah I, th I think just kind of like upping the stakes a little bit maybe somebody involved with the um the money scam that Ava's dad is pulling like maybe they end up dead and Ava like looks guilty or looks complicit or maybe feels guilt because she didn't turn her dad in and he went and killed somebody and now she's 
you know, on the hook. For yeah, that. I mean, I honestly, the reason that Ava doesn't turn her dad in in this episode is clearly so that through the course of the experiment, the professor is going to make her turning to her turn her dad in to the authorities at a later time. Right. Like that's also why Luke is here, so that the experiment can make Dylan cheat on Andrew again with this Dylan guy, or is going to like make Dylan like gay bash Luke or something like that. Like. That's that's obviously like I feel where those things are going. Meanwhile, Caitlin with her fear of failure, like what's she gonna have to do? Like get all the answers wrong on a test? I mean, it's just not really here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And and you know what I would hope with the whole experiment thing is that they can find a way to have it be kind of like the way that a the best way that a functioned on pll i think which is ha- when a was making the liars do things that some part of them really wanted to do um and so it was almost like a was like unlocking this dark side in each of the liars that they or even like this powerful side sometimes like this this level of power that they didn't want to own up to having um that there's something very like star wars about that i think you know the idea of like the force and the light and the dark um and i think that like i would hope that they find a way to have the experiment function in that way rather than just like oh man you know mr professor's like making me cheat on andrew again what a bummer (laughs) you know like that's not very interesting like give the characters like have it be a thing where like maybe they do have like a little bit more agency than they think they do but like they're pretending that they don't or something like that. Like they're lying to themselves a little bit, like give it, give it some gray area. Um, that's where, that's where the interesting character moments. Caitlin, for example, could blackmail her mom. Totally. And that's kind of like what this episode seemed like it was leading up to. And then it just didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. It's, it's been a ride. I'll say that for it. It has. It has. I, I think like one of the things that I heard about season two is that they're they have to pitch ideas to the network about season two. It sounds like there's going to be a new showrunner either way for the second season, which might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, so, yeah, I guess yeah. we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll be waiting for the call to see if we're the new showrunners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I won't be holding my <laughs> breath on that, but, um, you know, it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right if uh if the perfectionist writers would like to reach us <laughs> or anybody out there listening you can send us an email at everybody a podcast at gmail.com or check out our email or check out our instagram at at everybody a podcast send us a rating and review on itunes um, and if there's a perfectionist season two, I'm sure that we will check back in with it at one point. Any last thoughts, though, that you want to share about sort of this this season, this experiment, if you will, of season one? of the I think that one of the things that the show really taught us is how uh, lucky we got with PLL in terms of the casting of the liars and of the supporting characters around the liars, because I feel like... Uh, even when the even when the storylines were weaker on PLL, Troyan could still sell it. You know, like Spencer totally. in season seven is still selling uh, the plot, no matter how ludicrous and ridiculous it gets. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the casting here, the difference between Allison and Mona and the other characters, is just so extreme. 
uh, did it seem like the, the whole show was starting to buckle under the weight? Totally, totally. I think, you know, we had sort of hoped that we would be getting more of a season one PLL, and instead we got more of a season seven a season PLL. eight PLL. Um, <laughs> a season eight PLL, yeah, PLL, the new class. Um, I, I really feel like the big lesson that I wish the show had learned in its latter seasons, and unfortunately they didn't learn in this show, is basically just like less is more. You know, you don't need to overcomplicate everything and have um, – you know, all these sort of like disparate plot lines and characters and like people who connect in in these weird ways and then disappear for an episode. Like it just makes things more complicated. Pare things down and just try to tell a good story with characters that we care about. Um, they did it so successfully in the early seasons of the show. And, uh, it, you know, they only had 10 episodes to tell the story. And I think it just got kind of like sprawling and and out of their control unfortunately. yeah uh less is more except when it comes to queerness then more is more and you should give us uh additional elements of that please and thanks totally totally i mean yeah yeah the the you know emerson broke up for this <laughs> like <laughs> that that should be the tagline of the perfectionists <laughs> emerson broke up for this question mark exclamation point yes yes yeah oh man not worth it not worth it at all uh and the final like nail in the coffin of all of the the like extra text messages i don't know if you heard the latest one but uh it's allison on a group text with all of the other liars being like oh there's a new a thing starting up and all of the liars replying uh uh basically in unison mona question mark like Mona is the new A. Just one final injustice for our dear Vander Jesus, who has always and will continue to deserve. What a way to make the off-screen liars seem like a bunch of jerks. I hate that. Right. I know. I hate it too. And also like that they wouldn't immediately all be like, oh my God, we're coming oh, out there. Like A is back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's very terrible, but not terribly surprising given everything these past few weeks have taught us. Well, on that note, I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But I, it was, uh, it was fun talking about this series. Um, we already did the the. If you want to get in touch with us, but seriously, we would love to hear from folks who maybe have ideas about you know what the show could do to improve or. Um, you know, maybe even have different reads on, on things than, than what we talked Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So give us a shout. Otherwise, we'll just be back to our regular PLL casting as the weeks go on. Yes, indeed. Take care.